Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Decode Your Burnout with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today we are joined by Dr. Harry Caritas. Dr. Harry Caritas is an emergency physician and medical toxicologist who practices in the Chicagoland area. He understands the issues that physicians face every day, including stress, lack of motivation, and mental fatigue that have become commonplace in medicine. For years, he struggled to keep things balanced while growing at work and thriving at home, and his success came at the expense of his health and family. He knew something needed to change. Now, Harry has crafted habits that focus on reaching personal and professional goals without sacrificing one for the other. As a writer and national speaker who has a passion for physician wellness, he helps overwhelmed physicians, residents, and medical students to live a life of focus and balance. His mission is to give you the courage and the tools to learn, grow, and thrive in the important areas of your life. His main platform is at medicinerevive.com, where he has a blog and a podcast. And it just so happens I was recently a guest on Medicine Revived. So go ahead and check that out. Harry, welcome to the show. Well, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I've been looking forward to this for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm glad we got a chance to connect. Yeah, me too. So last time we talked, I was on your show and we mm-hmm. talked burnout from kind of my perspective, but this is your turn to really share your burnout story, your journey, and how that brought you all the way to present day. And I know we touched a little bit on that in the bio, mm-hmm. but we'd love to have you kind of just take us through your burnout story. What exactly happened? And, sure. uh, and that, that way people can really start to hear all the nuances that we talk about on this show, which are the three factors that we're looking for. And that's going to be my job as you're talking. Sure. I'm going to be looking, I'm going to kind of be listening out for programming, environmental stressors, and personality factors. Sure. So um, I can tell you that it was probably, as, as, the, as it probably the saying goes, it was probably death by a thousand cuts. Um, or actually probably more better said is, is what the colloquialism of uh, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. That's probably what happened to me. Um, so I, I was been, I've been practicing emergency medicine or medicine of some sort for quite some time now. It's been maybe 15, if not 17 years that I've been practicing. 
And I was doing fine. Um, and I was probably just saying just that. I was probably just doing fine. Um, kind of just going through the motions and uh, just doing doing the best job as I could. But really what happened for me several years ago, though, was kind of what kind of projected me onto this, this platform that I'm at because there's, there's such a need for it that I felt because of something that I had gone through. So really what happened was, uh, as, as you had mentioned, I'm an emergency physician. So as an emergency physician, our schedules are, are, are maybe a little bit different than some of the more office-based physicians or, or uh, specialists. Um, my schedule works. I, I mean, I worked a, a late evening shift yesterday and then tomorrow I'm working a day shift. That's kind of how our practice pattern is throughout the, throughout the country, at least. So you always know, there's always this, this state in emergency medicine, you always know how the night went by, if you're working the day shift, you, you always know how the night went as soon as you walk in the door. And that's exactly what happened to me. I was working a day shift and I, I walked through the ambulance bay door like I've done thousands of times before. And I can see in my, my friend and my colleague, he was just annihilated. You could just tell the shift was just a really rough shift for him. And, and it was. So we just chit-chatted for a little bit. He was finishing up his notes and he was finishing up his tasks for the day. And I just start, started working. Um, I saw a couple of patients. And then, you know, really by the first hour, which would have been around 7 a.m., um, I had seen about eight patients. Um, and to give maybe your listeners a little bit of a perspective, you know, seeing eight patients in your first hour as an emergency physician in a community setting that's a pretty brisk pace. You know, maybe in the, the tertiary care settings, maybe in the more urban hospitals, that's a, probably a normal pattern for them. But for a community hospital, that's a pretty brisk pace for us because you're by yourself. You're single covered at that time. You're, you're the only doc in the department. Um, and all I remember, I, was, I saw a patient who had a pretty large hand laceration. I remember leaving that patient's room and with my head down because I knew uh, hand laceration takes, takes time. It takes time to repair uh, just to get it exactly how you need it to. And I just simply didn't have time, you know, really to, to address him fully. But nonetheless, so all I can see is as I was leaving the room, I saw my, my chargers just running up to the triage area and just running back with this, this little baby in her arms, maybe two, three month old baby. And even from about 20 feet away, I can see that baby was blue. I mean, that baby was blue. So your, for your listeners who, who maybe not be in medicine, you know, a blue baby or a blue person is a person who's not getting enough oxygen. Uh, so we knew that this patient was in distress. Really, one of the great things about being in emergency medicine, though, it really is a team. It is a team uh, approach to everything. So my entire uh, staff was with me in the resuscitation room, and we're trying to resuscitate this two, three-month-old girl. And, you know, after about an hour, oh, we just couldn't get her. We just couldn't get her back, and that baby had died. Oh. And what happened next is really what kind of took, took me off into this different, different world, different platform, because I came to my um, workstation. And on our workstation, we have what's called our tracking board, which is a list of all the patients that are in the department um, and which patients have been seen and which patients have not been seen. And I remember sitting at my workstation and I can see that there had been eight patients who had arrived in the emergency department uh, to be seen during that hour when we were trying to resuscitate that baby. And I remember my first thought, Sharon, was how am I going to see all these patients and write notes on them? And then almost as if it were a, a lightning bolt, there was like a sledgehammer across my face was like, my God, Harry, a, a baby just died. And you didn't even have a moment to, to grieve with the mother, to grieve with the nurses. And many of them were, were single moms or, or moms themselves. They're all young, this is all young mothers. Um, and me, I was a, at that time, I was a, a young father. Um, I didn't even have a moment to grieve with them. I didn't have a, a moment to, to even just sit with my own thoughts. My thought at that, per that point was to just kind of just push it down, 
focus on the next patient, just kind of go through it. But though, sure, though, it, it actually got, it got worse since that, too. Because I remember I had come home that evening, and um, as I was pulling into the garage, I remember saying to myself, you know what, Harry, don't, don't, don't even bother telling what happened uh, to, to, to my wife. Um, who, who actually I love and adore because I just, I remember having that thought, like, I don't want to burden her with my day. Well, now in retrospect, again, you being in your line of work knows that that, that's, that was a huge red flag. Um, and it continued on, it continued on that day. I remember, you know, we have two children and at that time, the way we used to, to, to block, to, to do our evenings is, you know, one parent would put one child to bed and the other parent would put the other child to bed. And that's exactly what we did. So I put my little boy to sleep. And I remember I came down to this office that I'm sitting in right now and uh, in this dark office and I'm typing the word physician burnout into Google. And I remember saying to myself, my God, Harry, if, if you're at the point where you're typing the word physician burnout into Google, you're already there. You're already there. And it never really struck me until that moment. But what happened though is uh, what I found was, was, oh, was just so disheartening. All I found really on a Google search at that time was just stat after stat after stat. And they weren't reassuring stats. You're hearing stats of, you know, 300 to 400 physicians are, you know, die every year from suicide and just stat after stat. I'm like, well, this is more depressing than anything. I remember saying to myself, like, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for for resources because I got to go to work the next day. I need something that can help me get me through not for nothing that will heal me immediately, but something that gives me uh, some resources to get me through the day. And I didn't find it. And that's when I started saying, there's, there's got to be a better way. So in, in an effort to scratch my own itch, as they say, I, I started writing about my journey and things that I found that has helped me. I, I started crafting resources. I started interviewing and speaking with you know, high, high and peak performers in medicine, but also in outside of medicine, because how they succeeded uh, through through something like this, and that's how Medicine Revived was born. And I've been blogging and podcasting about it for for years now. And I always say, I always, you know, I'm grateful that I've reached a, a fair amount of people. Um, and they always say, you know, thank you, but how do you, how how you know, thank you, it's helped me get through X, Y, Z. And I go well. <laughs> Quite selfishly, it helps me more. Helps me more than anybody else. It's helped me kind of get through this to to where I am right now. And if I can share that with others, that has been the biggest the biggest gift for anybody. Mostly for me, though. Well, it's yes, it might be like selfish, but it's so it's so profoundly helpful for others. And so I thank you for the work, the quote unquote selfish work that you've been doing. <laughs> I, I think it's fantastic, it. and it's very much needed. So. You know, I, everything you've mentioned really sounds like environmental, like mm-hmm. all of all of the stress that you experienced that led to your burnout sounded like it came from the culture that you mm-hmm. were working in. Um, and so specifically, it sounded like there were these shifts that you were going through. And I got to imagine on a physiological level, that's got to be stressful on the body, doing a night shift and then maybe the next day doing a day shift and not having that routine, consistent, you know, kind of expectation for when you're on and when you're off, which probably messes with your rhythm and just your functioning in general. So can you speak to that a little bit? Um, Absolutely. You you know, I am, uh, I am a, a very big advocate 
for technology. I love it. I think it's absolutely helped our lives immensely um, for the better, but with any tool, um, it could it could harm as well too. And I think what's really been happening in medicine, as in lots of industries, but especially in medicine for sure, is we've 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 blurred the lines between work and home. Um, one of the great things about being in emergency medicine is when you're done with your shift, you're done with your shift. But for many of the doctors that that I work with and many of the doctors that I talk with is that is not a reality uh, for them. You know, they do their clinic and then they're at home doing charting where they have clinic and then they're still calling their patients back from home. And that is, I think, one of the biggest, one of the biggest, biggest things that is driving this, this culture of, of burnout. Um, but additionally though, Sharon is while we are, we have blurred the lines between work and home, really there's no, at that time, I really had no resource to just figure out how to leave work at home. It's not just physically leaving the space. You have to mentally get yourself there. And, you know, I have, I have a, a routine that I go through after every single shift um, that helps me leave work at work. And it's helped me immensely because once I walk through that threshold into my home, that's it. I don't think about work. I don't want to think about work, even though I have the ability to, I have the technology in my house to, to finish charting at home. If I choose to, I have the ability to you know, see what's going on in the departments. You know, I was a medical director for, for years. I just most recently stepped out as a medical director. And as a medical director, I can tell you, you are thinking about work all the time. You want to make sure your department is running well. You're making sure you're addressing the needs of your, of your team. Um, but I was very, very good at crafting uh, a, a routine that helped me leave work at work. And then when I'm at work, I'm at 110%. And when I'm at home, I'm 100%. There's no 50-50. You know, this whole thing about work-life balance, I'm a very big believer in it. But in order to be true in your work-life balance, you have to create a work side and then a life side. And then you have to make them um, work with each other, not against each other. Uh, but they're not one and the same. So I think a shutdown routine was really one of the biggest things that has helped me. I've crafted that and I'm happy to talk about it if you'd like me to. For sure. But before we go there, um, I want to just get a clear understanding. So you had this point where you realized I'm burned out, right? That's the Google point (laughs) where where you're looking up those terms. And then now you're this guy who's got this very clear balance and the routine and everything. So what was that transformation from Harry, the one who's sitting in the office at night after having lost a patient and just feeling totally fried to Harry, the guy who's 110% at home when he's home sure. and not bringing work home? Sure. Um, for me, um, and I can, I can tell you for, for many uh, people in healthcare, um, but specifically for physicians, is they, they really had no goals. And that was really, I think, the impetus for me. Um, I think for many of us in, in, in medicine, the goal or the ultimate goal is, well, you, you got to complete medical school, complete a successful residency, complete a fellowship. And then once you hit that point in your life, there's this, there's this massive exhale. I mean, for, for me, I can speak about only me, but it's, I share a commonality with many is I've wanted to become a physician since I was 
you know, in, in, in grade school, I can very clearly remember when I was a freshman in high school telling my math teacher that I was going to be a doctor. And that was my focus since that time. And that was all I thought about medicine, and math, medicine, and math. You know, that's all I was thinking about until I got into medical school. I got into the residency that I wanted to, and I got into the fellowship that I wanted to. And then when that's done, it's like, okay, like a big exhale. And then I think that's where, and Sharon, I think that's where the problem starts because you've reached the mountaintop and then you're like, okay, I'm done. But that's, I think where the problem starts. That was for sure with me because I thought I've reached my goal, but that was really just the beginning. And that's really what I needed to do for myself. I kind of said like, Harry, that was just the beginning. That was another chapter. Now we're on a different chapter. Now we have to create a different vision. Now we have to create different goals. And that for me has been probably the best thing that I've done for myself and, and have helped others do is to help craft their vision, help craft their goals. And then, you know, we work through a process to get them there. And that's probably, I think the best thing for us is, is we don't think of the of completion of residency or fellowship as the, as the end. It's really just the beginning. So you got to this place where you're burned out. And at that point, were you the medical director or are you just working shifts? What, where were you in your career? So at that time, I was still uh, just a clinician. Just a clinician. Uh, yeah. So you had this wake-up call that, hey, this is me. Like, I'm burned out. I'm that statistic that I'm finding on Google, mm -hmm. and I need to do something about it. And that's where you start to interview people and come up with your routine that helps mm -hmm. you create the balance. Is that is that what happened? That's exactly right. Okay. And then from there, you're able to not only be a clinician that lives in balance despite the incessant demands and the shifts and all that kind of stuff. But you're also then able to take it to the next level and be a medical director and not burn out because you've got this routine in place. Yes. That's a hundred percent correct. That's a hundred percent correct. Cause once you, at least once you start crafting these habits and these routines, your, your whole demeanor changes. You walk differently. You walk taller. There's a confidence in you and that just translates in every aspect of your life. That translates professionally for you. That translates personally for you. Your relationships at work are stronger. You know, people then come to you as the leader. And again, we're all leaders. I, I just got a title with it too. Uh, but I was asked to become the director because of, of um, the, not even a massive transformation, but a transformation. I was excelling. I was thriving. Like we need you know, you to kind of spread this uh, to the team, but also at home too, right? My relationship with my family is far better. My relationship with my wife is far better. Not that it was poor, but it was, it's gotten only better. And it's because there's intentionality and there's, and there's now focus with everything that I do. So I'm always a big proponent of having a self-care routine. And I appreciate that you have that. And we're going to get to that towards the end of the show, but I'm just curious, the nature of the work that you described is that it really is incessant and you were going through the motions. It was a very brisk pace, as you said, seeing eight patients in one hour. How does having a routine that you do maybe before work or after work help you while you're at work and you have to see those eight patients or when a baby has just died and you don't even have time to grieve? So can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, so in, in that specific case, if I were to do it over again, and I hope to never do it over again, but I know the reality is I will, I will. I've, that wasn't my first pediatric death. And unfortunately it won't be my 
I last. It just, it's the nature of the work that I'm in. Uh, but now I make it a point is I do, I do make the time to grieve. I make the time to, to give myself the five minutes, you know, now after every death, pediatric or adult now death in, in my department, I always have a pause with the entire team in there. Um, and again, it's just a 30 second pause that I just basically say like, you know, we're just going to take a moment here, 30 seconds. If you want to say something great, but for the most part, people don't, they just kind of just say pause 30 seconds with their heads down. They could do their own prayer. They could just, they could be thinking about something else, but more times than not, it's that 30 seconds that we give ourselves. And that is such a quick little thing to honor the moment. But for me, if that were to happen again, I can tell you it's happened to me because I, we've, you know, with this pandemic, we've had some really horrible cases. Um, where I just step out of the department for five minutes. One of the great things about being in emergency medicine is the ambulance bay doors are always about 10, 15 feet away from me. So I literally just go outside. I go outside. It doesn't matter if it's cold. I'm only going to be out there just for a little bit um, and just be with my thoughts for about five minutes. And the department school is still going to be there in five minutes. I guarantee you it's going to be there. It's not going to go anywhere else. You just tell the charge nurse, you know, I'm going to be outside for about five minutes if you need to get a hold of me just in case something else comes in. But I'm out there. And I think that's the biggest thing that I can do in the moment is give myself the time. The other thing that I do share, and quite honestly, is I have the Headspace app on my phone. And many times when I'm outside, mm-hmm. they have two, three, five minute uh, meditations. And that's, that's what I good. do. I put on my headphones and I go, I, I go sit out there. I get in the Ammons Bay door. It's not that I've left anything. I'm not like I've left the department. They know exactly where I'm at. Uh, but I just sit with my thoughts for about five minutes. And you come back, um, you know, far better than when you had left, for sure. And you still have to go to work. You still have to complete your tasks. Um, and, you know, the, the heart of emergency medicine is, is it's, a, it's a mind shift that you just have to understand that your day in emergency medicine is just a series of interruptions. That's all it is, right? It's, 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 it's no like, hey, Harry, your two o'clock is here. Or, hey, Harry, your four o'clock is here. My day is just a series of interruptions. And once you kind of understand that, then you kind of work within the system that you're in. Um, one thing I've been really, really good about is, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing a note, I've kind of had um, my nurses know that if they need uh, to ask me a question, um, then, then I'm going to, I'm going to go find you. Sometimes I'll just say, Hey, Harry, can I ask him? Like, hold on, let me finish. And I'll come and get you. Because if you stop, if you, if you're just putting out fires throughout the day, it's a miserable shift for you. You stay on one task at one time and then go address the next one. Obviously there are exceptions. Obviously someone's you know, someone's pulse is just gone, then, then obviously the nurse knows to interrupt you. But for the most part, I think I've kind of worked with the team and they kind of know that if I'm doing a thing or if I'm on the phone, they're not going to interrupt you as they probably were before. Okay. So you said a couple of things and I just want to highlight them because I think even for people who aren't in medicine, we can use some of these tips in our Mm -hmm. own lives. And I know as somebody who works from home and has kids, there is that tendency to get interrupted. Mommy, can you look at this? Can I show you this? You know? And so I think, yeah, there's this message that you're sending that is finish what you started and boundaries in this instance is letting the person know I'll get you when I'm done, or I just need two more minutes and I'll come find you. And I think that's really important because it's so easy to get disrupted and to allow people to approach you as they come in and not hold that boundary. But then it it takes so much longer for our brain to be able to complete the task once we've been interrupted. So I like this kind of preventative 
uh, way of doing your work. Um, and then I also love that you mentioned the meditation app and how you're giving yourself that space. I mean, this is also really important for people because what I find is there's a lot of talk about organizational change. And certainly there's a lot of issues in healthcare and other industries where these things aren't baked in, right? We're not taking care of our physicians. We're not saying, hey, you need a five minute break to grieve, or you need to go outside and here's some meditation space or whatever, right? Yeah. So it's really up to us to do this for ourselves, to give ourselves permission to do it. And so one final question I have for you, Harry, is you mentioned how when you had that experience and that baby died, that not only did you not give yourself time to grieve, but then when you got home, you didn't want to burden your wife with it. And Mm -hmm. so you just pushed it down. And what would you say now to your younger self about that? Yeah. Um, Let me just say one more thing before we get on to that, because I'm happy to answer that question. The one thing that I can tell your listeners to gain, you know, 30 minutes to an hour per workday is put your phone on do not disturb. Um, number one. And number two is you answer emails uh, twice a day and only twice a day. Um, that has probably been the big, and then you have to, of course, train your team to, to know that if you need to, if you need to get me for an emergency, for example, then you call me. That's how I used to do it as a director. You know, I get pings throughout the night, one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning for some inconsequential thing that really didn't need to be addressed at two in the morning. And I've just kind of trained them like, you know what, if you need to get a hold of me, then you call me. And people sometimes will pause. It's two in the morning. It's harder to pick up a phone and wake somebody up rather than just send off a quick little text. So I've trained them to say like, hey, listen, if if you're going to need to get a hold of me for whatever XYZ emergency, then you call me. Um, And A, I've gotten uh, far less messages. But number two is it kind of lets the person know that is this thing, is this thing, because you teach people how to treat you. Is this thing something that needs to be addressed right now? Well, putting your phone on do not disturb during your workshop is fantastic as well. And you can set up your phone, whatever it is, an iPhone. I only have an iPhone. I can only speak to that. But um, you can set it up where you have certain people that will break through that do not disturb if it's an emergency. Like I have my wife as always the emergency. So my wife needs to get a hold of me. It'll break through that do not disturb setting that I have. Um, so that's probably one thing that I can tell your listeners is put your phone on do not disturb when you're working and then kind of train your staff that if they need to get a hold of you to call you. And number three is answer your email twice a day and only twice a day. You know, once you keep shifting tasks to answer this email that probably didn't need to be answered in the moment, right? Uh, then you can kind of take away your, then you're just doing that. You're just putting out fires throughout the day. So that's that's my little tip for that. Uh, but in regards to your your question, and, and tell me again, Sharon, what was the question about? Was yeah, what would that? you what would you tell your younger self about um, not sure. pushing down the emotions? And you know, you, your younger self kind of wanted to yeah. um, not burden the wife. Yeah. Remember the people that you surround yourself with are, are, your, are your biggest cheerleaders, are your biggest champions. They want you to succeed just like you want them to succeed. And I think that's important for you to kind of get that mind to say like the people that you're closest to want to help you and want to want to be your cheerleader. So surround yourself with those people. Uh, obviously, in retrospect, it was, it, was a, it was a bad idea not to share it with my wife at that time. Obviously, she's heard the story thousands of times since I've done it. I've, I've said it many thousands of times. And it, it's it's still... It's still, I, I still get teary at every time I tell the story and that just lets me know that I'm human and it's, it's a good emotion to have. Um, but I can tell you, I, and I, and I, and I, and I encourage and I, and I 
really, really encourage your listeners that if you are going through a crisis like this, to really surround yourself with the people who are closest to you and trust you. You're not going to be judged. You're not going to be considered a, a bad, you know, ex, a, a bad person, a bad clinician, a bad, you know, whatever label you put on yourself. They're your biggest champions and your biggest cheerleaders. So, um, what I've done professionally is is I meet with, uh, you know, I have a, a, a core group of friends professionally. Uh, that we meet for for wings and beers every other week, and it's on our schedule and it's scheduled, and it's probably one of the best things that we've done. Um, and we schedule it; we schedule it weeks in advance because if we don't schedule, we're like, oh yeah, if you know, if I get out, if I get off on shift on time, we'll meet together for beers. It's never going to happen. It just simply won't happen. You have to schedule it. And that's how I do it with my wife too. We have a weekly meeting. It's scheduled. It sounds almost business like, but that's what you have to do because yeah. it will never get done. We all have, you know, we all have um, uh, other other priorities, but this is the most priority. The most important priority is is your relationships with your with your spouse, with your significant other, with your children, and with your with your professional colleagues. That is what drives me as building and um, building these relationships because um, we are we are all in this. Uh, together, each of us have different struggles, and too many of us in medicine, especially, but in in, in your line of work too, too many of us uh, suffer in solitude, which yeah. is mind-boggling to me, yeah. um, because um, it doesn't need to be. I know? think that's the biggest factor that brings people to suicide when they're burned yeah. out is that isolation. So I'm glad that you're bringing light to this. Yeah. point. Um, so, you know, one of the things we talk about on this program is programming. And one of the things that I'm hearing as you're telling your story is how much your, your whole programming has shifted. There's been such a transformation from like early days where you were that burned out clinician to today's version of Harry, where you're mm-hmm. this really well organized, planned out person who's got boundaries in place and just has the routine down and everything else. So from before, it sounded like there was this belief that if I'm suffering and I share it with other people, they will be burdened. And so I have to keep it to myself. I have to do for other people, but I can't put myself, my needs, right? Right. Uh, I can't really ask for my needs to get met, right? And now it's a much different conversation, right? And so um, what's the biggest change you would say in terms, because you're talking a lot about mindset here. There's so Mm -hmm. much mindset shifts that have happened for you. What would you say is the biggest one that you want to share with the audience? You know, I think the biggest mind shift, mindset uh, shift for me is 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 I, I'm only I'm always now trying to be that of a growth mindset. So, and, and by that I mean is what is happening to me? Either a I created it, and if I did not create it, there's a reason for it, and I have to find the positive within it. That is, I think, the key. No matter what happens throughout my day, either I create it purposely and intentionally, or maybe unintentionally, whatever whatever happens to me, I need to find something in that that is positive. So let's use the example with that, that, that horrible pediatric death, horrible. I, I can't imagine um, what that mother, what the, what the mother felt. And it's I, that day just transformed that woman's life for the rest of her life, for the rest of her life and for mine as well too. And for my nurses that were in there too. But from that moment though, what, what did we learn? You know, well, we learned um, 
how we could have done things differently, how we could have done the resuscitation differently, how um, we could have um, spent a little bit more time with each other, how I can create things that if this were to happen again, and I know it will, how, how can I better prepare myself? And it's all around uh, preparation. It's all about creating habits. And it's all about creating a mindset that whatever's happening, I have to find the positive in it. And it takes a little while, Sharon. It takes a little while to kind of get into that because it's easy kind of to kind of go down to mediocrity to where everybody else kind of lives is this negativity. I can tell you being in emergency medicine I'm, and I work clinically a lot, um, this, this, uh, this horrible pandemic that we've been going through, you can really kind of be pulled down into that negativity of a lot of people's beliefs. And all I can tell you is all you can just do is smile and say, this is a horrible thing that we're going through as a country, but I've always said the same thing since, since day number one through day number, whatever we are right now with this thing is I'm so happy and blessed to be part of this because I sure hope I don't ever, I'm never part of this type of pandemic again, but I've learned so much about the medicine. I've learned so much on how to approach patients. I've learned so much about myself. I've learned so much about other people. And it's that kind of mindset that kind of says, there's always something to learn with everything that I do. Always. And approaching, approaching life that way has been probably the biggest game changer for me rather than just kind of this, um, you know, sitting in my own slop, you know, and just kind of say, well, this is what it is. Well, this is what it is. Well, no, it's not. It, it is what it is, but there's a way you can learn from it. And I'm always looking for those opportunities. So I want to be really clear because sometimes people have a hard time with finding the positives. And I think what you're saying here is it's not that what happened is a positive thing, right? When the baby dies, it's there is nothing positive about it per se. It's what you're learning from the situation that you can take to enhance yourself or uh, do it better next time. So there's, you're looking for a lesson that helps you grow as a person. And that's what we're encouraging people to try to do, because that can help you really get through difficult situations without feeling so down about them. Yep. Uh, you, you've nailed it 100%. That's exactly right. Exactly I think that's right. an important distinction. Okay. So Harry, people are at the edge of their seats, I'm sure by now wanting to hear what is this routine that you have this shutdown routine. So sure. go ahead. You have the floor. Sure. Thank you. So it's, it's a very simple routine that I do. And again, all I can to tell you is uh, you have to develop your own. But the thing is, you have to develop a routine. And, and it, I think we've mentioned offline, you are welcome to share my routine with your, with your audience. And I've sent you a link that you can do it. But the way I do it is for work. I'm a clinician. Remember, it works for any type of clinician. Is number one, I finish all my notes at work. And then I, I could even tell you, I always start with that because it's the one that kind of, it gets people, stops them in their steps, in, in their seat, like, Harry, absolutely not. I, it's just, it's simply not possible. The answer is it is absolutely possible. You have to make it a priority. Um, does it mean you might just stay 30 minutes, an hour after your clinic closes, an hour after your shift ends to do it? Yeah, you may be. But as I said, when I leave work, that's the whole point. I'm trying to make those distinctions very, very crisp and clear. When I leave work, I am done. So number one, I finish all my notes. Second thing is I round one more time. Why that's important is you round back with your team. It's, it's, you'd be surprised how many um, less phone calls and less messages you get uh, when you just round with your team one more time. Hey, listen, uh, anything you need before I go? Hey, listen, uh, how are those vital signs on XYZ patients? And it just, it just, it buttons up the shift. It buttons up your day because again, we're going to, once, once 
once I cross that threshold, once I cross the ambulance bay doors to go to my car, I am done. Third thing is I sign out to the next doctor or sign out to the next person. Fourth thing is I log off my computer. And the fifth, and I think the most important thing, I actually say the words and I sit and sound so that you being a psychologist, you would appreciate this. I say, shut down complete. I sometimes say it, you know, very, you know, I whispered under my breath. I sometimes say it in my brain, but it's literally creating that little, that little thing in my brain says, we are done. We are done here. Shut down complete. And I say it in my brain. And then I've just now shifted now, like in mind shift, I've now shifted. I've now left work mode. And I'm going to go into home mode, but it doesn't end there. When I get in my car, I sit and breathe for five minutes. That has been probably another big game changer for me. Uh, Sharon is, I'm now trying to slowly ease myself into, into the home mode because what happened is I started just doing my shutdown routine as I just talked about it. But when I'm in my car, sitting in my car, I can still feel the vibrations in my body of all that adrenaline going. I can still hear the, um, the we call it the telemetry radio. The telemetry radio is that big loud siren that you hear inside of an ambulance department or an emergency department when an ambulance is you know, trying to call us, telling us that there's a patient going to come in. It's a very loud noise. I can still hear it buzzing in my brain. So I created this thing where I sit in my car for five minutes and I breathe or I meditate. And again, that's where the Headspace app comes out. That's when the Headspace, and again, it's no more than three to five minutes sharing, but it says it's that boom, that transition that I'm going home. And finally on the drive home, I don't listen to music. I love music. I listen to music when I'm at home doing creative work, but when I'm going home, it's going to be a podcast. It's going to be a podcast that's uplifting. It's a podcast that makes me learn. So, and they're quick, you know, TED Talks daily. Um, that's a great one that I listen to. They're about, you know, 15 minutes each. Uh, TED Radio Hour, a TED Radio Hour. That's another fantastic one. I listen to seven good minutes. Those are probably the top three ones that I kind of are always on my shuffle because it just gets me in a good mood, a positive mood. And again, the TED Radio Hour and TED Talks, they're always about something about learning, something about growing as a person, personally and professionally. And that's my shutdown routine. You know, use mine, again, have your listeners take use mine as a template. Um, but really the key, quite honestly, is you don't even have to use mine. Just develop your own shutdown routine, but make sure you have it. Make sure you have it. And it has to be intentional and it has to be written down. If you don't write it down, it just kind of gets kind of like, yeah, I kind of do this halfway. No, it has to be the same every single time. Yeah. So I, you know, as you were describing that, I was thinking about a computer mm -hmm. and how you've got all of these tabs and things open. And so before you leave work, you're thinking about your brain being that computer with all the tabs and you literally have to close off one tab at a time. But before you can close the tab, you got to finish composing that email or you've got to finish, you know, sending out that message or doing whatever, reading that article or whatever it is. So you finish the task, you close off the tab. And after you've closed off all the tabs, then you shut the computer down. Right. So it's kind of like you were saying, you got to finish what you started, you button up and then shut down. And then that's the message that you send yourself. Shutdown is now complete. Yeah. And now you're working on transitioning from work mode into home life. And that's where the breath comes in. And the idea there, because you work in a very fast paced environment, you want to slow everything down. You want to calm your nervous system and you want to get all of the 
adrenaline out of your body. And that's where the meditation comes in and just the total relaxation. So I really appreciate you sharing your routine. That's been super helpful to you. I think also the idea that, um, and I've had a lot of physicians tell me how they take work home and they're doing the notes and it's impossible to do it at work. So I totally understand what you're saying. And I didn't work as an emergency physician by any stretch, but when I was seeing patients, you know, back to back all day in my clinic, I would always actually build in time to do the notes. I would never take notes home because I just like you wanted to be able to just leave work at work. So I think that's a really excellent tip. And for if you're listening to this and there's something else that you do, then you have to think about what is it that you're taking home and how can you make sure that you get it done at the office before you leave. And for those of you who are working from home, then you've got to have some sort of cutoff time that you say, this is where work land ends. So if it's five o'clock or six o'clock or whatever time that is for you, maybe you have an alarm, maybe you have some sort of a signal that it's time to start shutting things down. And maybe you give yourself that alarm 30 minutes before so that it gives you that, that time that you need to wrap things up. You know, when, when you have kids, you're always telling them, all right, five minute warning or 10 minute warning, because when you expect people to instantly just remove themselves from their situation, it can be really stressful. So whatever it is for you, you need to figure out and give yourself that time, alert yourself that it's coming and start that routine. And I love what what you've said so far about writing it down and making sure that you implement it every single day. Harry, thank you so much for being on the show and tell tell our listeners where they can find you. And of course, I'm going to have everything in the show notes as well. Well, thank you. Aldo, it was really uh, such a pleasure for me. I appreciate it. Um, I can be found really at any of the major platforms. Uh, I'm at medicinerevive.com, medicinerevive.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram or on, Lin- on LinkedIn. But really, the website is probably the best place. You can find me at Medicine Revive. And I've also got a podcast, as we talked about earlier, since you were on my show just a couple weeks ago. Uh, it shares the same name, Medicine Revive. So take a listen on over there. We talk about uh, stuff like this every single week. And uh, I, I thank you again, take, take a listen and take a look at that shutdown routine. And if, and if any of your listeners have any questions, of course, please, please, please reach out to me. I'm happy to, uh, to, uh, to respond. I respond to every single one, every single email, every single thing on uh, social media. And uh, I enjoy doing it. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for sharing. And if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review and make sure to share this episode with other people who can benefit from Harry's message. So we'll see you again next week. In the meantime, have a wonderful rest of your week.